So Murdoch came in playing Love of a Lifetime by Firehouse for some odd reason. He's like, dude, it, this song. It's the new that introduced me to of all the old radio guys talking about all the songs that they used to play this on the radio. This is probably going to be the most uninteresting thing to anyone, but yeah. like, there is this Facebook group that like was getting national press that I got invited to very quickly because in the first couple of days, people from all over the country that used to be in radio just started inviting their friends. And the whole idea was basically, it's just called Oh Damn That Song. Yeah. And yeah. it's just people posting links to YouTube videos of songs that they'd forgotten about. And then mostly it's a bunch of people going like, I programmed this in 1997 yeah. when I was working at WCHQ. And yeah, the, nerdy, the nerdiest part was when people would talk about how like the how much you could talk into it before the vocals would start. There are still songs I hear where I'm like, oh, 30 seconds. Yeah. Like, I know exactly how long yeah. the, the ramp is, as we call the it. Ra- the yeah, because people would talk about that. So, but yeah, someone posted Love of a Lifetime, and then someone posted the acoustic version, and then we both basically openly told each other how much we liked that song. Oh, my God, dude. So my main memory of that song is I had it on I used to tape songs off the radio. I was not allowed to listen to the radio. When I was a kid, to, to pop radio because so weird. I grew up with, uh, you know, in a in a churchy household, and there were things on the radio my parents were worried about me hearing. So, I was in fifth grade, and I was sneaking. Uh, I had a tape deck with a record button on it, right? And I would sneak and listen to and Devil Firehouse. To, to the, to, <laughs> I mean, Firehouse had big hair, so they potentially might have known don't, the devil. Don't or, treat me bad. That was the other song. Uh, so yeah, so they had Baby. that. They had that big crossover. Love of a Lifetime, and I was uh, 100% into hearing uh, that song as much as possible. So I taped it off the radio, and I made this mix where I would – I had this little – I mean, it didn't even have speeds on it. It was just like a little bike, right, like the one my son's been riding around out here. And uh, I – we had this little hill – that went up around the side of our house by the side door, and there was a big pine tree, and you could, you could, there was just enough room. Me in fifth grade on this bike could get up and around the pine tree, and then kind of down the other side of it into the carport and make a circle. I recently, for the first time, for the first time <laughs> since I was a kid, I drove by this house. I had an opportunity to drive by this house in the last couple of weeks, and I saw that hill, and I was like, in my mind, that hill was epic. And I look at it, and it's like. Nothing. You know what I mean? It's like, right, like yeah, it's, it's not even a hill, no. let alone there's hardly any space involved. But as a kid, I'm climbing up and down just this tiny little circle, and I put on my headphones to Firehouse Love of a Lifetime, and I would dedicate it in my mind to Angela, to who I sat next right. to in fifth grade. Yeah, I like how you're like, of course you dedicated it to a girl. Why yeah. would you listen to that song and not dedicate it to a girl regardless of your age? That is a song that yeah. it, it requires dedication. Who did you dedicate Firehouse Little. Now, there's a nine-year age gap between us. So right. when that song was a hit and I was 10 or whatever, you were 19. Right. So you were, you were into some more serious, you know, yeah. girl-loving than I was at the time. I was in college. So did you, ever, yeah. did you ever call a radio station or be on the radio and like, this one goes out to Susie? Yes. The very first time that I... I, I love what you're about to The tell. very first time that I ever was on the radio, I was on the radio when I was maybe 12 or 13. And... Okay. A bun- like there was a bunch of us, and we all we played "Angel" by Aerosmith, yes. and we all dedicated to someone different. Oh yes, yeah. Like, did you have to take turns? Like, okay. yeah, yeah. We like like every person like went or whatever. Todd, step up here and say who you dedicate this song to. <laughs> but I also I also I also played. Um, uh, oh, the the Trooper by by Iron Maiden. On For a girl? No, on the oh. radio. It's like that seems like we, a real mood killer. We, we got like an hour to play whatever we play. It's like you know, like this super awesome mom who was on the radio got, invited all the kids to come play like on the radio one night, and we all got to pick a song. And mine was "The Trooper" by Iron Maiden. Uh, of course it was. Yeah, of course it was. I, I mean, how cool was that, girls? When I was in college radio, I they would give you like a time slot. You had your regular time slot, and you had to play the things that were in rotation, and you could fill in a couple of songs, right? Sure. But then. You could like sign up and beg for like a slot from like ten to midnight, 
where they would just give you like a special and say like on Thursday the 21st you can show up from 10 to midnight and play whatever you want. Yep. But, you, but you had to pitch what the show was. So mine was like I was just going to do two hours of the Counting Crows because of course I was. Um, and really? so, yeah. So, but, you know, there was always hesitation in college radio because they were pretty popular at that point. Well, I mean, they had already been pretty popular at that point. This was kind of past their, their largest time in the spotlight. And so... You know, I mean, they're like a little skeptical that I'm playing a band that's on pop radio, but they let me yeah. do it. They let me do it, and it was awesome. So I was playing like, you know, them covering psychedelic furs and, you know, like weird studio things that, you know, just it was all oh, cool. B-sides and that kind of stuff. Right on. But basically, I use it as a excuse to invite my girlfriend to the studio so we can make out. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what happened. I had a specialty show Friday nights from 11 till 2. So I spent Friday nights in college for maybe a year and a half not going out, and I would bring, like, four crates of CDs um, to, their, to the radio station, and my show was called Heavy Alternative because it was, it was like, 91 to 90, 92 to, like, 93 or something like that, and I played D- Dead Kennedy's Black Flag to Monster Magnet. So it was, like, metal to... Such a power in inflicting what you want other people to listen to on them. It was great. That's the whole reason you get into radio, right? It's yes. like, well, that's what I thought. That's I always, what you thought until I always joke that I thought people would be like, "Oh, tell me about when you were in radio." And I was like, "Well, I got into radio because I thought that everybody loved music." But what I found out was everybody loved the sound of their own voice, <laughs> which is true. Like that's, a, a large dumb. portion of yeah, and I wow. you know, and just to varying degrees. I mean, I've worked with people who are egomaniacal, who are terrible people, and then I've heard worked with people who just enjoyed hosting and emceeing and that kind of thing. Yeah. That's why they got into it and they and they're great and they've learned a lot about music or whatever, but like they don't have the passion for it that about you have. Music, so yeah. what happened right. any radio station I ever worked in is I found the you in the radio station. I mean that's why we were buddies. Yeah, right. It was basically me, you and Davey were the only people in that building that cared about music. Everybody yeah. else was was there for different reasons. It's just a gig or, or whatever, yeah. And you know, people wouldn't even know that's Bill Clinton that ruined the entire thing with the Telecommunication Act of 1996. With the why don't you explain that? Because we are here to educate. In <laughs> they well, it was there was a bill in '96, and based you know, it's like all politicians they're lobbied by somebody else, and so there was a bill that was passed in '96. It's literally called the Telecommunication Act of 1996, and that's where all the radio stations and TV stations were. You could consolidate, and then in a market instead of like having everybody could own like their own radio station, then a company could own up to eight radio stations in a city and that's why Which a lot of them did ladies yeah. and gentlemen well yeah yeah so that's that's what happened so that's why when you flip from one channel to the next that there's a maroon five song on both of them that is there you go that was concise that was good you don't really need to explain it more than that <laughs> that's it <laughs> all right enough about this this is the this is story guys yeah yeah uh and we my name is brian that's uh, murdoch and we basically just tell each other stories uh, not just about riding bikes and listening to Firehouse, but about all kinds of things. Um, and the the stories are real. But the, the points we give each other. It, they're fake, yeah. So it's a fake game show, sort of, but the stories are real. And and thank you uh, for hanging on through the holiday break. We are now back. It's 2020. Do you have any big New Year's resolutions, Mark? I got none. None at all. Yeah, you like that? I, I think not having a resolution is a resolution in itself. It's like yeah. not being in a frat. It's being in a frat itself. I'm, yeah, we've talked about that on this show before, yes, right? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, if we haven't, then, I already am with you. I so. tried to explain it to my kids the other day. I don't know why we were talking about fraternities and sororities, but like my daughter, somebody asked them to go in the car, and I was like, "Well, what happens is we were just talking about like belonging. I think is what we were talking about, like friendship groups and like. Oh, I know what it was. She was explaining how she was at a something at school or some sort of gathering, and basically the room divided in between people who were allowed to have Snapchat on their phones and people whose parents wow. would not allow them to have Snapchat, wow. on, Snapchat on their yeah. phones. And she was like, so I was in this minority of the room because you won't let me have Snapchat. And yeah. she wasn't being combative, but we were having a, a real conversation right. about it. And I was explaining to her why I was concerned about it. And then yeah. I was explaining to her like, well, now your people are the people without Snapchat. <laughs> so yeah. just, you know. These are your people. Get comfortable. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, we pick a topic every week that we talk about. Um, and the topic this week came from a group of 80s songs. We hadn't done that in a little bit, so I pulled out Brian Adams' Cuts Like a Knife, <laughs> which is a great song. Yeah. Not quite as good as Firehouse Love of a Lifetime. I'm glad you but picked it. But it's got equal gusto. Yeah. Cuts Like a Knife! Yeah. He Brian Adams sang with, like, 
like I love passionate singers. My wife and I talk about this because she always jokes about how like every singer that I love. I loved this band from Carbondale, Illinois, that no one listened to called Revis in the early 2000s. And they had this one hit where the guy just was like, would just yell, I got caught in the rain. And it just, he sounded so passionate about that rainstorm. And so she always teases me about that. But that is a mark of singers that I love. And I've always had a soft spot for Brian Adams because every, I feel everything he, he sings. There's, there's two songs of his in particular I really like. And one is Run to You which I mm-hmm. adore that mm-hmm. song. Lou Barlow from Sabado did a cover of it. Really funny. And then um, I love It's Only Love that he did with Tina Turner. And I had the 45. And when you flipped it over in the B-side, there was a live version. And you got to really hear actually what that guy sounded like without being in the studio. Because he was like, The feeling is in it. And nothing ever in it. It's like you realize, oh, yeah, he's gravelly. Like, there's, you know, he had like a real gravelly voice. Because you could also tell, too, he's on stage with Tina Turner, man. And so he's like living it up. I mean, it's like he's being Mick Jagger for a little bit. Like, and Tina Turner's singing and dancing next to him. So here's a true story. I actually performed a Brian Adams song in my sister's wedding. Really? Yeah. Did and you do everything I do? I do it for no, you? No! I knew you were going to ask that. I didn't do that. And I also didn't do... Wit, uh, wait a minute, no, what's the... The song from the Don Juan DeMarco movie. Have you ever really loved a woman? I didn't do that either. I did some song I didn't know. I learned it for the wedding. I, she could tell you, I'm sure. I think it was called like maybe Always In Forever or something. No, that's a Richard Mark song. I don't know. It was not a hit. Yeah. It was something that I, I learned specifically to play there. I cannot comment on whether or not my performance was good. It probably wasn't. Who knows? But that is the only time I think I've covered Brian. And, and then when you bring up Brian Adams, the other thing I think about is that we both used to work for a guy we adore named Todd. Yes. Schumacher. I'm, yes. I'm going to use his last name for right. several reasons. Right. Um, and uh, Did he like Brian Adams? So here's the deal. Brian there Adams. Was the only time Todd ever asked me to pull a favor for him was for Brian Adams tickets. Really? And Yeah. So like, I, was, I thought you might not know this story. So I was able to get him front row tickets to see Brian Adams. Wow. I will say the other anecdote about music and Todd Schumacher is on my 30th birthday, Todd and I went to see Bon Jovi together. Yeah, right. <laughs> which was yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I've seen I I saw Bon Jovi around the same era as you, and and I got to escort listeners down the aisle to stand on the side of the stage, and a, a lady, like a listener, turned to me and she goes, "Cause it like it was John Bon Jovi and he had on like." Uh, snake skin leather pants and he's over next to the stage like turned around dancing and stuff and this lady next to me she goes man he's got a great ass and I was like he does he is slamming over here John Bon Jovi he did alright so cuts like a knife Brian Adams that is the story starter today and I will volunteer to go first please do okay so we go back to my college days at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Raise it back, Brian. Uh, woo, pig suey. So I lived in the dorms my first year of college, and then in the second uh, year of college, I had to. I, I decided not have to. I decided to move into an apartment with a buddy of mine because I really wanted that taste of freedom of like, what's it like to have your own place, right? Well, you know what you need when you do that you need to make a lot of money to pay for it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was not getting outside income from family or anything. So so I start looking for a job. So around this time, there is a job fair, because, you know, yeah, that's what you do uh, on a college campus. So I go to this job fair, and this guy walks up to me, and he hands me, like, right when I get there. So, like, I see enough to be like, oh, all these jobs sound like they're going to suck, right? It's like right. washing dishes or whatever. And this guy walks up to me and he hands me this business card and it says, um, "Want to make twelve dollars an hour, or twelve? No, you want to make twelve dollars per appointment? That's what it said." <laughs> oh my! Call gosh. this number. Oh my god! So like, I chase the oh guy down. And I'm like, "What is this?" And he's like, "You got to call the number, man. You got to call the number." Oh my gosh, Brian! And like, oh my god! I knew. I was like, "Well, a legitimate business would have a booth here. They wouldn't just have a shady guy in a backpack hand me a business card and refuse to give me information." Brian, you want to get some appointments? Got to get some more appointments. But at I can, least... Oh, this is so, so funny. You know exactly where I'm going. So at least I can call this number, right? Because at least they'll tell me. So I go back to my dorm room and I call the number. Hello? And I was like, yeah. So I this guy just handed me this card. And I said to call this number if I want to make $12 per appointment. I definitely want to do that. How do I do that? And they were like, oh, 
we have a meeting on Friday. You want to come to the meeting on Friday? And I was like, no, why don't you tell me what I need to do? Yeah, I know. And they were like, mm, no, you got to come to the meeting on Friday. <laughs> and I was like, wait, 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 what? And they're like, no, no, we can't talk about it over the phone, but this is, is a great it, opportunity. It's not Amway, is it? It's close. Okay. So I, I was like, if it's Amway, then I'm... So I, I, I'm, I'm young and impressionable. I'm like 18, 19. I'm like, I know this is a bad idea. But everything else I'm looking at is like $6 an hour, yeah. $7 an hour, right? $12 an hour or appointment, depending on how you read the card. So I decide, what can it hurt if I go to this appointment? I don't have anything to do at 6 o'clock on Friday night. I'll go to, to here. So uh, you drive off campus. I think I walked off campus down, and there's this house. And there's the address, and I walk in, and there's all these people in this living room. And uh, they're like, oh, hey, welcome. Um, we're getting ready to to talk about this great business opportunity. I oh, was like, Brian, what is what is the, you know? I'm just why I'm just doe eyed, man. I was just kind of naive and young, and I'm I'm like, I guess I'll listen. I'll at least I'll hear them out. So they stand up and they're like, we have a great opportunity for you. The opportunity <laughs> for you is to sell knives. <laughs> Now, someone's listening right now, and they're like, and they know exactly what I'm talking about because they have gotten roped into this by accident as well. Uh, Are we allowed to talk about which company it was? I mean, it's Cutco. It's Cutco. I mean, if anybody knows anything about knives, they know this is the Cutco strategy. I don't know if they still do this. I I got something at the end, but go. Okay, so so here's the whole thing. So then they they tell you, well, it's going to take hard work and perseverance, but you can make, and they have like a guy stand up and it's like, hey, I'm Will. I started doing this a year ago and I made $39,000. You know, like I'm in college. So like $39,000 sounds like a million dollars. Right. And he's like, yeah, and I also do blah, 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 blah. And, um, and he's cool. Like he, they clearly have cast this guy. Like he's a cool dude. Like chicks would want to hang out with him. Guys would want to hang out with him. It's the whole deal. And you're like, well, I could be like Will or I could go back and take that $7 job. So they're like, here, here's how it's going to work tonight. There'll be no pressure, but here's how it's going to work tonight. There's a bunch of knives. They're like, we have this other room. So there's this other room. And oh, they're like, so everything's so, so yeah. So they're like, we're, they basically isolate you in the other room. So they take you one at a time and they have you like read a script or something. I don't remember what they had you do. And then they bring you into this other room and they're like, well, and like they ha- they did it in a way. I'm convinced that there were only a few of us that were actually there because we had the cards and we called the number. And I think the act- rest of it was actors. It was, I yeah. think. I can't prove that. I don't know for sure. But what kept happening was people were coming out of this room being like, I didn't make the cut. And then they would leave all sad. So then I go into the room and they're like, congratulations. We think you're perfect for cut coding. Was- <gasps> oh my gosh. And I'm like, well, they cut all these other people. So like they must see something in me, and then they're like, and then they're like, "Hey, do you do you want to go out and hear more about this? You can go out with Will and Chris or whatever. Like who the other, there's two guys. And they're like, we're gonna go to shoot some pool. We'll tell you more about selling they're knives. Shooting pool. Yeah. So then they take me out to shoot pool. I might be combining this into like a couple of different days that happen, but like. They, they just are like, yeah, it's, this is a great opportunity. You totally want to do this. It's going to be huge for you. We'll teach you every. And I'm like, I don't know about, I don't know about this. So they have you show up and they basically explain to you that the way this works is Brian goes to Mark because he knows Mark. And he says, hey, man, can I come and do this demo for you about these knives? And Mark feels bad. So he lets Brian do the demo. Uh-huh. Mark doesn't have to buy anything. But at the the end of the appointment, after you tell me you don't want my crappy knives or you can't afford my $1,000 knives or whatever it is, then I go, that's fine, man. Can you just give me 10 names, addresses, and phone numbers? And then I call all of those people and go, hey, I'm a friend of Mark's. So that's how the whole thing works. So that's basically all they teach you is that. And then they're like... Oh, we're also going to teach you this demo. So they, when you show up for the training, they bring out the knives and they set them out and they like chop. You know, it's like basically like an infomercial. They're like, look at this. Can you believe that we would? And they're like, shunk. Look at our knives. They chop that in half. And they're like, and then you ask, you know, you'll ask the lady to bring, the lady of the house to bring blah, blah, blah to the table and you'll cut it in half. So I'm doing all this. You're doing all that stuff? So like I'm learning all of it. Oh, you're learning. Okay. And, and, um, I just wonder how far this gets. And they're like, okay. We think you're ready. Like after, I don't remember how many training sessions I had to go to. Like we, we think you're ready, um, but now well, there's one thing 
that we're going to need your help with. And I was like, what do you, what? And they're like, well, to do this, obviously what's been the key component. And I'm like, well, showing everybody the knives. And they're like, yeah, you can't take these. Oh, we got to buy them. You got to buy yourself a set. Oh my gosh. Wow. Which was like the fourth or fifth. It was the third or fourth thousandth warning bell, but it was it, it was one of those things where you're like, okay, well, clearly this is yeah. a little scammy, right? Right. God bless my sister. So I call my like I can't call my parents. Like they're in the middle of moving across the country. It's this whole thing, or they have moved across the country or something. Yeah. So I um, call my sister, and I'm like, listen, I need a favor. I need hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> And she's like, Brian, this kind of sounds like a scam. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's totally legit. (laughs) I just need $150, and then I'll pay you back. I promise. Bless your sister. Oh, my God. How sweet. Dude, so, like, so sweet. And every time, like, I think about this every once in a while, I'm like, I don't thank her enough for how cool she was in this. So she gives me her credit card, and I give them the credit card number, and and they give me the knives, and I have to set up my first appointment. And I don't even remember how I got this appointment. If someone gave it to me off of their list or what it was. Right. So I go and do this whole thing, man, and it's the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my life. I drive up to this house. I walk out with this thing of knives. I go into their kitchen. I do the whole deal. And um, I get the names. It was awkward. She definitely didn't buy the knives. I'm sure I was terrible. I can't believe I didn't split my finger open. I think I blacked out because I don't really remember the presentation. I just know that I did it. Yeah. And then I basically go back to that building and I hand them my knives, and I, I just like this is the I say this all the time, famously the only job I've ever really quit. I just walk in and I go, this is not for me. And I hand them the knives, and I was like, I need you to refund my sister's credit card. And I walk back out of there, and I'm done. And this slight addendum on this, well, two fun things happened after yeah. this story. One was I was mortified, but also felt a little victimized. Yeah, and so I was sure. telling this story to a friend of mine. Uh, I was a friend of mine would take me over to dinner at his uncle's house on weekends sometimes. And so I was sitting around with him and I was like, listen to this crazy story. And his uncle goes, Oh bro, I'll just get you a job at the FedEx warehouse. Yeah. We, we do tuition reimbursement and we'll pay you like 10 or $12 an hour. It's you have to work like two hours a day. And I was like, sweet. So I worked that all the way through college. Oh, you got that job. So I was able to parlay this by telling that sob story into <laughs> immediately getting a job without an interview, which is fantastic and a godsend. And then I, uh, but the other great part about that is, like, after I got that FedEx job, like, a month or two later, I was walking through the mall, and I walked by Old Navy, and Will was in the window folding jeans. <laughs> 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 Clearly didn't work out for that guy Oh, either. my gosh. I thought you were going to say he was a mannequin. But, no, he's folding uh, jeans. So, there you go. That's- Cutco knives. Now, when I bring this up with people, I have a lot of folks who will say, like, Oh, I, I bought Coco Nice 20 years ago and I still have them and I love them. People do. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I don't think it's not a scam in the way it's like, it wasn't like a Ponzi scheme, but it was definitely, uh, it was a little bit of a, uh, a multi-level marketing scheme. Yeah. And right. I, I will tell you, I can't, I'm not the expert on multi-level marketing schemes, but if you want to get into that world and listen to stories about how MLMs work, there is a fantastic podcast called The Dream. And the first season is all about, MLMs, yeah, um, and these journalists basically one of them signs like they they try them and they also investigate them and a lot like I think the journalist that started it had a um, came from a family in a small town in the north somewhere who like everyone in their family had done Amway or something at some point um, and so she got very interested in like what is do these actually work. And why do they rope people in, you know, and that kind yeah. of thing. So it's a, it's a really good, let's shout out to another pod. Check out The Dream if you want to talk about MLMs outside of my ridiculous Cutco Knife story. Yeah. I got real quick Cutco Knife story. Um, I work for this company. Talk about scams, man. Oh, this job. <laughs> Is this the vacuum cleaner job? No, you weren't. No, the, that I was my work. other friend. You didn't have a vacuum cleaner no, job. No, no, no. I worked at a place. Uh, it was in New York. And there were, I don't want to explain what the company was. Um but one of the things that we did is we sold satellite media tours. And they I, don't I remember you telling me about this job. Yeah. So okay. So for for everyone else, like a satellite media tour is where you have a spokesperson and they do cookie cutter interviews. They're live or they're taped and then the, the television stations just run them taped like later. 
But the idea is it's like, we're going to Brian Eichenberger. He's at the Consumer Electronics Show. Brian, tell us about the great products that's going to happen for this holiday season. And then Brian goes through and explains all these great things that you can buy. And then each of those companies that owns those paid like five grand for the product placement. And so sometimes those things would go really bad where a station would take one of those and feel like they got shafted, like the story they got pitched was completely wrong. We always had Cutco knives for everything. For Oh, they were like one of your... For everything. Clients? For everything. <laughs> for spring, summer, winter, fall, holiday. They weren't at the oh. Consumer Electronics Show, but we always had Cutco knives. I had... Uh... You know, talking about radio marketing scammy type of things. I remember I was in a small market trying to get stuff to give away on the air. And there was a thing, there was like this deal where they were like, hey, if you sign up for this deal, we will send you every week new stuff from our sponsors to give away. And you just have to read a little bit of copy. Right. Yeah. And so they tell you, of course, it's like, you know, oh, you're going to get these cool MP3 players or you're going to get this stack of media or you're going to get a TV or whatever. But like what you actually got, and this is like the, the one thing that sticks in my mind that we would always get was like, um, courtesy of Betty Crocker potholders. <laughs> and so it's like, you're, you're like, answer the trivia question. And today we have Betty Crocker's potholders. It's like, how do you make that sound the least bit appealing? Right. It, it doesn't. Yeah, and but I do have a really good casserole dish from back in the day, like from like twenty years ago that I got from one of those things because it never got picked up, and I was like, oh, well, need a casserole it's dish. A casserole dish. Uh, so that's my knife story. Tell me yours. I've tried so hard to keep a poker face since the moment you mentioned which one we were going to do, and I kind of th- we kind of talked about maybe we'll do Brian Adams songs and so I like thought okay what are all the Brian Adams songs I know story so I I thought about everything and I just thought maybe you'll pick th- this song and you did so here's my story and it's real and it's fresh so this holiday season since the last time I've seen you um, I went and spent some time with my family with some of my parents hung out you know, gift giving stuff or whatever. And then on New Year's Eve, we always travel out of town. We go to a a friend of mine's uh, place and we spend some time there. He's got a recording studio. We make music. We hang out. uh, We play board games. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's real mellow. Like we actually really don't leave the house very much. So we, uh, on New Year's Eve day, we were just running errands. So we went, I uh, went to a butcher and bought a bunch of steaks. We went to a liquor store and bought a whole bunch of crazy, like an enormous amount of alcohol. And then we went to visit, my buddy owns several different businesses. And so he was just going and, and he had bought gifts for his business partners. So we're just hopping around and going and seeing all of his, like his, I mean, really his friends, they're not business partners. They're, and so we're like going and seeing all these guys that he's in business with and we're just doing the thing and so what we're eventually we're going to do is we're going to get back to the house and we're going to food prep because we're going to have this big extravagant meal we've got like wagyu steaks and sweet potatoes and like all sorts of stuff and so i don't normally do like lots of food prep and stuff i live with an amazing cook i do the dishes you know um so my buddy was like, hey, let's make mocktails for the kids. So what, what we should do is, why don't you squeeze these limes? So he was very impressed with my lime squeezing. I, uh, I squeezed, I guess it was 18 limes and made two cups of lime juice, which is very cool. That's a lot of lime squeezing. Yeah, yeah. And so then we move on to the sweet potatoes. And so, okay, okay I'm going to... We're going to slice up some sweet potatoes and and do this. So uh, he brings this thing over to me, and I've never seen it before. And it's called a mandolin. You know what a mandolin is? Like a mandolin slicer? Yeah. Yeah, uh uh-huh. So I'd never seen one of those before. So uh, I was told, you know, hey, watch out. You know, this is... They're they're, sharp. they're, they're, They're really, really sharp. And, you know, here's how we do it. And we figured out the safety of... You know, here's, you know, when the sweet potato gets really small, you put this on top of it to slice it. So I, I did one, almost one sweet potato, and I moved on to the second one. Um, 
And it happened so fast that I cannot get it out of my head. Oh, man. So, have you not noticed this the entire time? When you started this story, I was like, is this story going to involve him cutting his finger? Have you not noticed the bandage and on my then finger? I, and then I realized I've been trying to there's kind something of... fluorescent orange on his right hand. That's and right. I looked over and was like, oh no, I know where this story's going. And I had... And, and Do you have a pinky left? They, so... <laughs> I just realized it's so like I, kind of misshapen. So... So I realize I've sliced it and I have, I turn to my friend and I jump up and down. It was so funny is he had taken this picture of me with an apron on like after I had like squeezed all the lemons and then I was holding the mandolin, getting ready to slice those and he was getting ready to take a picture of me slicing the sweet potatoes and he actually had his phone and was getting ready to take a picture of me and I turned to him and I'm bleeding like everywhere so um we start to clean up the kitchen did you have to go to the er the story ain't over man (laughs) and i'm i mean hang on like you're not explaining like i'm oh i've got all of it is this murder scene bad like what is did you ruin the other sweet potatoes did your tip of your finger go into the sweet potato dish did someone eat your finger no so, I've got it wrapped up. I realize, okay, I've got to wrap it up, make sure to sort of stop the bleeding. So, it's not on any of the food, but it's, it is in the sink. And so, we, you know, we kind of clean up the sink. And then, I go back to the master bath sink. Because we have, like, no one, it's just he and I. The kids aren't there, our wives aren't there. And so, I go back to the other sink so there's no one, you know, to be in another place where no one else would see it. So, at this point, I take off the rag and I'm like, I'm going to just run water over it. So I run water over it, and then it really hurts, and it starts bleeding, like, all the way down my, like, everywhere. Oh, man. And then I take a look, and I realize, and he's sitting there, and I was like, we have to go get stitches, don't we? And he's like, yeah. So he walks away, and he's on, like, Google, where's the nearest immediate care place and i've i've wrapped it now like with a a thing uh like with a big rag and he, and i hear him and he goes hi steven uh do you guys do stitches great see you in a minute hangs up <laughs> it's it's three minutes from his house oh well good so i i have the my my by the way i need to explain this to everyone because they can't see it's my pinky Okay. Yeah, it's a pinky on your right hand. Yes. And right now it is in a fluorescent orange bandage, which I don't yeah. know how I didn't ask you about that the minute I saw you earlier. I know. Um, so I, I realize, how do I put my shoes on? Like, I'm just barely getting my shoes on. <laughs> and so I get in the car, and I'm just trying to breathe. Oh, man. And then... I remember I was having trouble breathing and I had to tell him I was having trouble breathing. So we get to the parking lot and I realize a couple of things. So here's, let me set the scene really for you. It's New Year's Eve. It's 2.30 in the afternoon. We haven't had anything to drink, nothing to drink, but it's 2.30 in the afternoon on New Year's Eve. The parking lot is packed and I turned to him and I said, how long is this going to take? And he goes, I don't know, man. Then I could tell I was having a lot of trouble breathing. And so I was having a lot of trouble just sort of like making sure I could breathe in and out. So I remember getting out of the car and I felt like I have had an injury because I was having a lot of trouble standing up, getting out of the car. Because you're just losing blood all over the place. I'm losing blood. And so I didn't think about any of that. So I get into the, uh, I walk into the clinic and it's packed. I can't even realize if there's anywhere for me to sit. Like it's just swamped. So I walk in, I pass, I I go ahead of my friend and I go up to the counter and 
I said I've cut myself, and the lady flips this iPad over for me to fill out. And then I sort of remember my buddy saying that he was going to do it. Next thing I know, I turn to this lady because I'm, I'm in a room. And I said, how would I get here? Oh, no. And she said, you passed out in the waiting room. No, worse. She said, <laughs> she said, you went into shock what? in the waiting room. What? So we had to get you like into the way to take you to the room. And all of a sudden I started piecing it together. I was like, the, everything went really white. And she goes, yes, you explained to us what going into shock was like as you were going into shock. <laughs> and I said, my ears were ringing really loud and I couldn't hear anything. She goes, yes. Yep, there you go. You you were explaining what going into shock was like as you were going into hey, shock. Hey, at least you're a helpful patient. <laughs> at least they knew exactly what was happening. So um, I realize where I'm at and I'm sort of lucid and I look over at my finger and like I have – I have. I mean, I, 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 okay, so listen, I was, I didn't have this wrapped earlier today, so it was going to be the dramatic reveal of me showing it to you. And then I banged it on a medicine cabinet today and almost ripped off the fingernail that, by the way, is going to come off. Anyway. Oh, so I'm not looking at it and I'm wincing. So I'm going to show you a picture of, uh, of my finger. That I that I that I that I cut off. So there's no. Did you have the piece? Yeah. Did your buddy have the piece and they sewed it back on? No, it was just hanging on. Was hang. Oh my lord. So should we put that on the website? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I think I think we could have unsubscribes. I think this is. If you want to see it, email us. We are the story guys at gmail. We're not going to post it because we're not going to force it on you. Because if that came up in my Facebook feed, I would unsubscribe from Facebook. Right. This is this is something that not only this, like someone would think this is really gross. I mean, it's disgusting. But no offense to you, but just because it's like you know, it is. I'm not going to say horror movie level, but like it's pretty intense. Yeah, and like I've seen childbirth. I know where the weaker sex. I get it. I know that like I've had all this about my pinky being ripped off. But I lost a lot of blood and I had really low blood pressure and I went into shock, right? So so I all the story, so, don't buy a mandolin slicer. No. Jeez. Ever. ever. Jeez. So I've got they've put they've lifted my legs a little bit. They put cold stuff over me because I'm sweating. I've turned gray and Stuff like that. So, so I'm, so at this point, the, like a nurse comes in and takes a look or it's a doctor. I don't don't remember. Um, Her name was Terry. She was very nice. The lady who, the very older lady who helped me down the hallways, her name was Ann. And the lady who came in to work on my fingers, name was Terry. I remember that. So she's kind of giving me a lot of the, details about everything I need to know and it's hard for me to remember just about everything like I had to have it repeated to me after I left but so I'm I knew I was going to get stitched up so so anyway so I'm getting stitched up I've never had stitches before ever like even as a kid no no so so I've you know I've got shot like I'm numbed up they've given me shots and like local and stuff like that Oh yeah, I forgot to mention oxygen. Yeah, so you're on oxygen at this point. Yeah, because I my breathing was like so. Here's really... okay, a couple of things. I don't want to skip too far ahead. I don't yeah. know how close you are to the end of this story, but I will. Oh, I have no. a lot of questions. Oh no, there's there's more. I, I'm it's very funny. curious about your wife's reaction. It's okay, hang on. We're not there. <laughs> Just hang on. And is your buddy gonna invite you back ever again for New Year's Eve? I think so. Uh, maybe we'll see. Anyway, um, I did get panicky thinking about. I've ruined everyone's New Year's Eve. This is going to take four hours, and and the kids and my no, you passed wives, out. So they had to deal with you fast. That is that yeah. is a life yeah. hack. Yeah, the, yeah. The, Pass out in the immediate care room. They got to take care of you quickly. If you've got the flu, pretend like you're going into shock. 
Um, <laughs> don't. I Googled it today. The worst thing ever. There's like four uh, kinds of shock, and one of five people die from it. Oh like, my God, really? It's like a heart attack. Like if you don't treat it or if you're not like yeah. you're a medical professional. Well, you're losing blood. That's really what that means, right? Yeah. Well, you also can have allergic reaction going to shock. There's all that sort of stuff. So, but anyway, I mean, this is like benign compared to anything being really like crazy, you know. So my buddy's there still. And the the wives and the kids text and say they're all coming. So, oh, geez. So I had to tell him, I was like, tell them not to come. You know, I'm about to get stitched up, and then, you know, this will be fine. Uh, so, my wife shows up. She gets dropped off. So, we tag out because we have, like, you know, steak. There's, like, food laying around in their house. Um, so, my wife said she came up to the front, and she said, I'm here, my husband, like, cut off his pinky, and, and the lady goes, Mark Murdoch, and starts laughing. <laughs> and she goes, he almost passed out and went into shock. I bet she gives you so much crap about this for years. Not not yet. She Well, she, she's going to wait till you're better all the way. Yeah, because this has not been good. And there's still, I'm almost done, but there's still more. Um, so I'm I'm getting stitched up, and... The doctor, the nurse, the PA, um, at some point says, you might need some pain medication for this. And then I said very open and honestly, I said, I probably can only take two or three, you know, two or three pills, period. You know, I I can't take a lot of that. And then I downshift into Murdoch stupidly Uh and said, actually, how about a 30-day supply of Dilaudid? I'm I'm not looking at her because she's stitching my hand, but my wife said the smile went away permanently for the rest of the time. Oh, yeah, dude. You can't say that, especially I, in, where were you, Tennessee? I, I'm such an idiot. Bro, you're going to be on a list, man. Yeah, yeah You're it's talking like, to a guy who read check. four books last year about the opioid yeah. crisis. You're screwed. It's like medicine, medicine hungry guy. Check. There I was. <laughs> check the box. So allotted just PSA. You can't mess around with that. Right, that's what you get when you like you get your arm ripped off. Yeah, um, man. Anyway, yeah. or I guess now when you have like a toothache. So so I I'm there they wrap me up and then I find out that I'm Oh, then I find out that I'm going to have to take ibuprofen and Tylenol instead, which I didn't really know was going to be like that bad. I thought I just thought this wouldn't really hurt. However, um I didn't know what stitches felt like and especially in a thing with a joint thing right here where I'm at. Uh so it, it would go between being completely numb because I've just nerve damage every I've just severed nerves crazy. Um to feeling like basically like my skin's being torn apart. Like that's what the it feels like. So it's oh, it sucks. So and I have to sleep weird. So I've been sleeping weird. So then there's no blood. So then it goes numb anyway. Um, like how long it, are you? Like when is this going to be back to normal? Oh, I, this is this is the end. This is the denouement. We're almost. We've almost finished. <laughs> Good lord. And I did. I did. I, I was going to show it to you, and and I didn't know how grossed out you would be, but now I know. Like you know, I had to. Yeah, I, man. I almost. I started panicking after because I thought that I busted a stitch or something. Because when I hit this medicine cabinet around noon today, it started bleeding everywhere, and it was the nail, <laughs> the fingernail. So, so today um, is Sunday. So on Tuesday it'll be a week. So my three options. I. I I mean, you I mean, I don't know if this is going to be too queasy for everybody. Well, well listen, you can you can check the thirty second forward button right now on your on your player if you don't want to hear this. The three options that happen Tuesday are all the stitches come out, and I have this big funky scar, and like the nail comes off. Or the second option is that it hasn't necessarily healed all the way, and then every other stitch comes out, and then eventually the rest of them come out, or. Or the the bad option is that like I go to a surgeon. Are they to cut your pinky off? To probably cut a, a decent amount of it off, like part of it, like oh where it's been cut. My off. lord! Yeah, 
So in, and it feels so right. I mean, dude, <laughs> that is not good for your guitar playing future either, is it? No, it's not good for anything. Oh, dude, I'm sorry, man. We're laughing about this, but that's a bummer. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate that. 100 bad days, 100 good stories. Uh, 100 good stories make you interesting at parties, as AJR says. But, gee, <laughs> that is a, a large price to pay for a, a good story. Oh, my God. So you obviously win 4,000 points. Like, that's all I can do in this situation. That and offer to drive you to the hospital on Tuesday. And yeah. <laughs> hold your I, head as you cry when they think, yeah. decide they're going to cut your pinky off. Will you call me if they're going to cut your pinky off? They're not going to cut it off. They're just like where where the cut was. Like that's probably that might be surgery there. And then it's just not going to. If it doesn't heal, then it doesn't heal. Can you turn this into a opportunity to be like that guy who plays guitar with the funky pinky? Like, can you? Can it be a marketing thing? No, none of this is okay. <laughs> I'm like, just trying to find a bright yeah. side, man. I'm just trying to fill the cup up halfway. Like, yeah. I, I I don't know what you meant. Wow. And you know a little bit about me. Like, this is totally true. I'm kind of a nervous disaster. Like, yeah, so... I, I, I am, like, with everything. You're not handling this well, I'm sure. No. And it's kind of... I've been cool... Like, I was cool about it, and like, till today. Like, I was super excited to come here and gross you out with my, like, yeah. finger. And then, like, that happened. And then you hit it, and now you're more freaked out about it again. Yeah, like, I'm freaked out about hitting, like, anything. Should like, we start a Kickstarter for a replacement for, like, an artificial thumb? You're just being so silly. I'm so, I, I'm sorry. It's a yeah. silly show. I know. I get it, but it, it's just the thing. I'm sorry, you, man. You just get you, it stitches. Sucks. It sucks. No, it sucks. Yeah, it's a drag. And then... I had to kind of get my stuff together after, you know. And then go party. I mean, you did not drink a lot of beer that night, did you? Or did you drink all the beer? I drank everything. (laughs) Also, also, also it was, it took an hour and 15 minutes in and out. Oh, well, that's awesome. Because, like I said, life hack, pass out in the, the waiting room. Right, yeah. And so, and then I walked back in and I thought, so the kids are gonna hear this story I don't know how much anyone's going to tell them. And so I just walked in. I said, guess who's got stitches? Because <laughs> that's what you do. You just pretend like nothing. And then one of the kids said, I heard you went into shock. <laughs> tell us about that, Dad. So here's the takeaway, Story Guys listeners. Don't use the mandolin in the kitchen. And I'm not talking about the stringed instrument. Just use a friggin' knife. Get someone else to chop up your vegetables. Somebody, my wife's boss's wife, my wife's boss's spouse, did the same thing same night. What? The same night? Yes. Cut her finger on a mandolin. Yeah, absolutely. Don't use a mandolin. (laughs) It's absolutely doesn't, like... It doesn't bode well. Like, who's like, I want to jump off the cliff? Maybe. This this episode was not brought to you by the mandolin slicer. <laughs> the manufacturer of the mandolin slicer has not given us any money. No, it's not. Oh, my Lord. If you'd like to see the photograph. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> you have to email us. <laughs> Hit up my DMs. <laughs> I send you that photo, girl. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. That is. Ugh. I feel. Okay, first of all, let me just real quickly. I feel like I need to. I feel like. I feel like I've upset you by not taking this seriously enough. No, no, you're, you're just not upsetting I, I, me. I do feel terrible for you, and I would like to help you in any way I can. I feel awful, and I understand the trauma of, and also I bet you've replayed that moment a hundred times and been like, I can't stop it. Like I, I can't stop it. All like because those types of it's like car accidents, right? It's a tr- it's a weird trauma thing. Yeah, because oh, yeah, then you yeah, can't because yeah. it's like, what did I do? Why did I do that? And why didn't I do that correctly? And how did I? I could have made a different decision. To, and you just can never stop doing it. Hey man. And then I thought like, this is funny. I'm gonna try to play this as funny. And I was getting my hair cut yesterday, and I asked the guy cutting my hair. He goes, so what happened? And I was like, are you queasy? He's like, nah, man. I'm a hairdresser. Cut my hands all the time. No big deal. And I start explaining it, and I look up at him, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This Converse, this has to stop. This story stops as soon as possible. This is too much for everyone. And it's such a weird uh, thing. It's not like I cut like my arm off or anything. No, it's man. Just, it's no. just it's like the pinky. It's the Well, people can it's commiserate. Em- it's embarrassing. It, I mean, I, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, but this I mean, it obviously is somewhat common. You know someone 
fairly closely in your network that the same thing happened to it the same day. Same day. That it, that's pretty bizarre. Yeah. I drank all the alcohol. Wow. As you should have. Uh, so that's how we're starting 2020. <laughs> I'll let you know if Mark changes his mind on a Kickstarter. It might just be for his mental health. I don't know if, no, it, if it's not for it. his pinky. That's really it, man. Like, everything's, like, out of network this year. I'm like, what? I have, how does this oh, work? Oh, jeez, man. All right. Well, that's that's a heck of a way to start a new year. It um, is. I'm glad it was just your pinky. You know, if it had to be something, at least it was just your pinky. Not yeah. any, any, it wasn't not any like worse than that. One of my butt, like butt cheeks or something weird. Yeah. <laughs> With the mandolin slicer, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna try to imagine the situation where that would happen. Uh, if you want to get involved, we are the story guys at gmail.com. You can go to the website wearethestoryguys.com. Plenty of stuff up there for you to peruse, um, including our year end 2019 best of lists. Uh, recently added my thoughts on some films that came out in 2019, and not just the ones that you've heard about a million times from every other film critic. Uh, plus Mark's uh, take on music, my take on books. You can find all that there and every episode of this show and our other podcast, Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. So check it out and get involved and you can find us on Twitter. If you want to tweet at Mark, what is your Twitter handle, Mark? Uh, It's The Real Murdoch. At The Real Murdoch. Um, Hit him up with pictures of your pinky. No, I'm kidding. Uh, hit him up with some commiseration and, uh, and and let him know that you love him in 2020 because Jesus, dude, he's struggling and I feel terrible for him. Uh, that my You obviously win. I think 4,000 points is probably too low. Maybe it's 14,000 points. Maybe we just, we just make sure that your bank of points is very, very full for a while. Um, Employee assistance program. Can I just have lots of that or something? Can I have someone <laughs> help me block this out of my life? Hey, no matter how many fingers you have on the next episode, what do we want people to keep doing? Don't use the mandolin. No, (laughs) keep telling stories. Story Guys is a production of Brian Eichenberger and Mark Murdoch. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. Copyright 2020, Boy Have We Got Stories Productions. All rights reserved.